You're about to listen to episode 83 of the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast, which is a cool number because I happen to be born in 1983. And with that, I thought, what could we talk about? And here's a good one. What about imposter syndrome? Because if you think about birth, when we first come out of the womb, we're all kind of imposters. We don't know who we are, who we're going to be, and how we're going to grow up. And that's the same feeling people get when they're an imposter. They don't know who they are. They don't know if they fit in. And that's kind of how we are when we're first born. And so especially entrepreneurs develop something called imposter syndrome, where we feel like we don't belong where we feel like this isn't the right place for us, or we feel like we're pretending. And so, in this episode, let's talk about that. Let's talk about imposter syndrome, what it is, where does it come from, and how can we deal with it? Because it's probably one of the biggest problems that almost all entrepreneurs deal with, and it's something that can hold you back from achieving all the success you could if you let it run your life, and if you let it stop you from doing what you're meant to do. So, Without further ado, let's get started with this episode. Welcome to the Money, Love, and Freedom Podcast, where you'll develop the mindset and skills to create a life of total abundance. From business and health to wealth and love, discover what it takes to live a life of freedom on your terms. And now, your host, Coach George Wang. What's up, Freedom Fighters, and welcome to another episode of the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast. As always, I'm your host, Coach George Wang, helping you to sell more, serve more, and live better. And how do we live better? How can we do that? Well, there's a lot of ways. But there's one thing that can prevent us from living better, and that is imposter syndrome. And this is something I was talking to a friend of mine about a little while ago, just this week, actually. And he is an employee at a very good company. I'm sure he makes great money. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure he makes great money. But he has a goal. He wants to be an entrepreneur. And he mentioned something. He said, you know, one of the things that I deal with is I, I sometimes suffer from imposter syndrome. I feel like I don't belong. And, and it's it's a real thing. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs feel like that. And so let's talk about imposter syndrome for today because it's something that can definitely hold you back. And it's something that's held me back in the past and sometimes even continues to do so from doing all that I know that I'm capable of doing. So first off, if you've never heard of imposter syndrome, uh, let's talk about what it is. And I don't know, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's that feeling like you don't belong in this group, like you're a fake or you're a phony. And as I mentioned, it's really, really common for entrepreneurs because almost by definition, when you become an entrepreneur, you start doing something you've never done before, right? You probably have never started this business, or if you are if you have started a business in the past, maybe you're starting a new business or a new type of business, and everything is new. And, you know, we, we see TV or, or we read magazines, scroll on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and we see all these entrepreneurs who are doing such great things. You know, they're so big, they have millions of dollars of revenue coming in, and they have all this growth in their business, and they've been around so long. And if you're a new entrepreneur, maybe you're thinking, well, who am I? 
right? Who am I to come into the same space as this person or all these other entrepreneurs who have been here for so long? Like, I don't know if I belong. I don't know if this is something that I, 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 I'm, you know, I, where I fit in. And so that's so common. But one thing we got to remember is all those entrepreneurs that we see who are doing really big revenue numbers right now all started somewhere, right? They had to, they had a beginning too. Every end middle has a beginning. And so it's so common for entrepreneurs to have this feeling or this sense of imposter syndrome. There's a certain type of person that gets it a little bit more than others. So there's a behavioral profile that I teach in some of my courses where it's it's basically like a DNA sequence, right? Like you go down the list and on each segment of it, you can either be one way or another way, right? You can be the be if you have one blue eye gene, if you have one red eye gene, you can you, no one has red eyes. That that was dumb. <laughs> but if you have one uh, blue eye gene and one brown eye gene, then you could be either one, right? Depending on which way it goes. And so this behavior profile is very similar. And one of the kind of left, right, or this or that type of uh, pieces of the behavioral profile is whether someone is internally motivated or externally motivated. And what that means is, do I find like my internal motivation from within inside of myself or do I need the external feedback to get me motivated towards doing something or not doing something? So to give you an example, Steve Jobs, the founder, one of the founders uh, with Steve Wozniak from the famous Apple that everybody knows, was internally motivated. And the way I can tell that is if you read his book, there's a lot of things where people will tell him something and they'll say like, oh, you know, this isn't right or this isn't the right way to do things. And the way the internal response to that is they just think, oh, you just don't get it. Like this person just doesn't understand because they have that internal motivation their criticism comes from inside of themselves and they make the decision internally whether something's good, wrong, bad, good, whatever, right? That, that decision always comes from inside and so they're internally motivated to act versus somebody who's externally motivated. If they hear some type of criticism or a compliment, whatever, then they will almost question themselves and take action on it immediately, so if someone tells them something, some kind of criticism, they'll, they'll immediately think of, oh, how can I change it? Or how can I listen to what they said and, and do it differently? And so it's the external person, the person who is actually externally motivated, who tends to suffer a little bit more from imposter syndrome than the internally motivated. So this is one way you can figure out for yourself. When someone gives you any type of feedback, do you immediately, your first instinct is to think, oh, how can I change this? Oh, how can I take them and make it better? Or how can I take what they said and, and change stuff? And, and if so, then there's a good chance that you're more externally motivated than internally. Versus if someone gives you feedback and you just and it's just from one person, you just go, huh? That does you you just don't understand. Then you're you're probably more internally motivated. And so if you're that external type, just know that you might feel a little imposter syndrome more than others. But that's good news. Because what that means is that there's a group of people that don't. And if that's true, that means that imposter syndrome isn't actually real. It's fabricated. It's made up. It's not like a cut right, or a broken bone. If you have a broken bone, it doesn't matter if you're internal or externally motivated. It's broken, right? But something like imposter syndrome, where depending on which side of this pendulum you fall on, 
is how you feel it, then you know it's fabricated. It's something we make up in the mind. So the next question I think about is where does it come from? Like why, whether we're internally or externally motivated, like why do we have this imposter syndrome? Where does it come from? And the truth is it comes from a feeling of insecurity, right? There are two base fears. So there's two base fears, meaning if you track any fear down to its like bottom level, you end up at one of these two fears. And the first fear is, I'm not good enough. And the second one is, well, if I'm not good enough, then I won't be loved. So that's the second one. So think about any fear. It doesn't matter what it is. It traces down to one of those two fears. If you have, you know, a fear of public speaking, that's very obvious. You just, I'm, I'm not good enough, right? Any fear, just think about it. It will trace down to a feeling, a fear of either I'm not good enough and or I won't be loved. I have an, my own example of this is, you know, I started studying neurolinguistic programming when I was 19 years old. I'm 38 now, so that's about 19 years, basically half of my life. I didn't actually start my own coaching business until I was 35, even though this was something I wanted to do from the time I was 19 years old. You know, I read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, then I got introduced to Zig Ziglar. Jim Rohn, and eventually I found Tony Robbins' work, which is what led me over to NLP. And I always wanted to be in that field with them. Not, not necessarily Robert Kiyosaki, uh, because you know he's more into uh, real estate and some other stuff, but, but the Zig Ziglar's, Jim Rohn's, and uh, Tony Robbins, for sure. But I always had this bullshit belief, to be honest, that I had to do something big first, that I had to start and sell a big business, or I had to be a multi-multi-millionaire in order for people to actually take me seriously and believe what I was saying or, you know, to not basically feel like an imposter. So I did all this other stuff first, right? I played poker for years because I thought that was going to make me a lot of money. I invested in real estate, you know, and I realized that from playing poker, you know, putting some money away in some investments, nobody had a fucking clue who I was, right? Nobody. It didn't make a difference. None of that made a difference. And, you know, I spent eight years in Vegas playing poker until one day I was, I don't want to say forced to come back to California, but I was called to come back because my sister had a really bad accident uh, and it was tragic and I don't want to go over it right now, but she was in a really bad accident and I came back so I could help out uh, my mother who was taking care of her at the time, you know, just deal with the family. And so I came back and as I was here, you know, I I got a job for a little while and I was thinking, what am I really going to do to make money? And how am I going to grow my life forward? And then I realized, like, why have I been holding myself back for so long from doing what I really want to do? Like, yes, I enjoyed poker. Like, it was fun. It was very challenging. I have to say that. I learned a lot about myself, a lot about people. But it didn't, like, fuel my soul. And I knew that coaching and helping other people get to their dreams, get to their goals was something that really does fuel my soul. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand why I just didn't do it. So I, what did I do? You know, I, I drank from my own Kool-Aid and I hired a coach to help me deal with that belief. And, I, and by the way, at the time, I didn't understand that this was the belief I had. I, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what was stopping me. I just knew I, I just didn't do it. And so I got a coach and we did some work around. Uh, it had to do with time also and a couple of other things. But at the end of the day, right, I had some beliefs that I needed to break within myself. 
And and this is a big one was I thought I had to do something big before I got into this business or else I would be an imposter. And once I broke that belief, I did it. I started working. I opened up my own practice about three years ago. And guess what? Even after I opened up my practice, I still kind of felt like an imposter, even though I didn't recognize it, but I didn't feel like I actually belonged until two years into the business. And I remember the day, I remember the person, I'm not going to mention who or what, but I was with a client who was dealing with some personal issues that was affecting their business, and we broke through it, and their productivity exploded. And then something in my brain snapped because then I started thinking about all the other people I helped as well, right? There were so many people over the two years that I helped. And then that's when I realized, huh, like maybe I do belong here. Maybe I actually do know what the fuck I'm doing. And it was true. I did, right? I helped a lot of people in those two years. I just didn't, I just still thought I was an imposter. And now today I feel it again. Because I started my business in a physical office, seeing one-on-one clients, like live in person, in real life. And now I want to expand that out into creating digital courses where I can help people, creating an online school where I can leverage my time a little bit more. And because I'm leveraging myself, I'm able to help a lot more people. You know, I want to crank up Facebook ads. I want to crank up the, uh, all the digital marketing. And I feel the same way. Now I'm starting to feel like, am I an imposter? Like, am I a course creator? Do I belong in this space? Do I belong as an online entrepreneur? And I'm really starting to feel it again, right? So that brings us to the last question. The last thought I have is, how do we deal with imposter syndrome? Like, how do you actually deal? And here's the first thing that I've learned for myself. Embrace it embrace that feeling of being an imposter. And that's something I've started to do now. And to be honest, now if I start to feel myself being an imposter, I'm like, hey, that's cool, right? See it as a sign of growth. Because here's the truth about it. As an entrepreneur, you're probably always going to feel like an imposter in a slight way if you're always growing your business. Because you're always going to get to some new level. And if you want to grow past that, you've got to do something different. So as long as you're constantly growing, there's a high probability that you're going to feel like an imposter always. So embrace it and see it as a sign of growth, as a good thing. And be scared. Be scared if you get to a point of, I got it. Because if you get to a point of, hey, I got it. I know actually what I'm doing. Maybe you're not growing anymore. In my own poker career, that was actually definitely a part. There was one point where I got to a certain stake level. Uh, and when I say stakes, I mean like a certain buy-in level, a certain uh, level of you know that I was playing at. For those who don't know poker lingo, at least, and uh, um, I actually had this feeling like, hey, I got this, I got this down, I can beat anyone at that table, which I could at that time period. And that's when I stopped growing. I didn't make any more money. I didn't get any higher. I wasn't growing at all. And I stayed at that zone for probably the last four years of my poker career, just because I just. I didn't feel compelled to grow anymore. I didn't want to grow anymore. But I did feel like I got it and I no longer felt like an imposter. So here's the deal. See it as a sign of growth because growth always happens at the edges of your comfort zone. And part of that discomfort is 
imposter syndrome. So how do you actually deal? So here's what's another way to deal with that. Like number one, embrace it. See it as a sign of growth. And you can create mantras for yourself too, by the way. Mantras are great. The one I use is a little bit dark. I'm going to be honest with you about that. Because one of my ways to cope with imposter syndrome or any type of stress for that matter, imposter syndrome is a form of of distress, like the bad kind of stress. And one of my ways to cope with it is to distract myself. I'll distract myself and maybe scroll a little bit longer on Instagram where I don't need to if I'm not doing something that's actually productive, right? Instead of me using Instagram to grow my business, I'm letting Instagram use me. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm sure you know. Uh, For some people that might be watching YouTube videos, Netflix, who knows what it is, right? Uh, If you have a, a distraction mechanism. Mine's is definitely distraction. So I created a mantra for myself. Anytime I catch myself kind of distracting myself is I created this kind of dark mantra. And before I tell you this, let me tell you why I made it dark in this direction. Another part of that behavioral profile is something called the away towards motivation. Meaning, so, you know, we have internal, externals, one way we're motivated. Another one is away or towards. And what that means is, am I more motivated by going away from something or am I more motivated by moving towards something? Does that make sense? So for instance, let's say an employee wants to get a new job or they get a new job. Are they getting a new job because they want to move away from the old one because they're sick of the old one, something happened at the old one, they hate their new boss, their new manager, whatever. And so they're getting a new job because they want to move away from something. Or is this person going to a new company or new job because they want to move towards something? Nothing was wrong with the last company that they want to move away from, but they want to move towards something, new potential growth, new career, whatever that may be. Here is the truth of the matter. More people are actually motivated by away from motivation triggers, not towards. And that's a problem, I think, with a lot of goal setting because a lot of goal setting says, what do I want? What do you want? What do you want? What what is your New Year's resolution? And everybody says, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to go towards this goal. And most people don't do it because to be honest, I, I forgot the breakdown, but it's something like 80% to 90% of people are actually more motivated by moving away from something. So because I know this about myself, because I know that my motivation trigger is to move away from things I don't want, then I created a very strong mantra, which is the more I relax and distract myself, the closer I am to death. Hear that again. The more I relax and distract the closer I get to death. And subconsciously, I know what that means, right? I know the more I relax and distract is when I'm trying to work, I'm relaxing and distracting myself. And when I say the closer I am to death, I think about everything that I could lose, the death of my business, the death of my relationships, the death of my physical health and my mental health and the death of my um, esteem, my self-esteem for myself, the death of my pride, That's the death I'm talking about. And my brain knows that. That's what I mean when I say that. I don't actually mean physical death. But all that stuff, if it sits around long enough, then to be honest, then my death will probably come earlier than it needs to be, right? Stress, low self-esteem, all that stuff is equated with a earlier death than a later death. 
So that's why I created this mantra for myself. Anytime I find myself dis- being distracted, I say the more I relax, the more I distract, the closer I am to death. And that's fine with me. There's nothing wrong with being dark. If it gets you into action, if it gets you moving, who cares? Who gives a shit where it comes from? Use the motivation that works for you and test the away from motivation because as I mentioned, most people are more motivated by moving away from something than towards something. So that's it. Those are some of the ways I can think of at least for you to deal with imposter syndrome. So take some of that into your own psyche. Bring that knowledge into you. Instead of being scared of whatever you're trying to do, instead of hating imposter syndrome or wanting to be not an imposter, embrace it. Embrace that sense of imposter syndrome because that means you're growing. And if you have to, create some mantras to help you get through those moments. This is how you lead a life of freedom on your terms. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. My ask for you is to share this podcast with someone you think that might benefit from it. Like, you know from being a loyal listener that every week we bring you incredible, practical content, great interviews that you can use immediately. So be a good friend, help someone get access to this information as well. And until next week, take care.